when I, uh, when I was a young lad, uh, the games that we used to play were an imaginary friend or a variety of other games. This hot lava thing, for me, it was like, don't step on the cracks. Remember that game? Like, you'd be walking in someplace and, like, you can't step on the crack, you'll break your back. Or, like, you'd, you'd like, skip, like, if the, if the, if the, if the road was kind of lined or the aisle was lined, you had to step over certain designs, things of that nature. Those are the types of games that we played. But with my kids being home 24-7, they like this game called Hot Lava. And like all of a sudden, my daughter will look at me and be like, the floor is hot lava, and she'll jump up onto a chair, and I'm dead. Like, and all of a, like, and like I have to tiptoe around, I have to jump something, like, and all of a sudden I'm like, when did it become hot lava? And the other day, Brady was walking into the kitchen, and one of the kids behind him yelled, the floor is hot lava. And Brady grabbed the first thing he could see, and he, he grabbed a pillow. This is one of the pillows from one of our couches. He grabbed it, and he was standing on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you want to play, play the floor is hot lava? Well, there's your pillow. Uh, why don't you go feed the dog? And he laughed at me. I was like, no, seriously, go feed the dog. And, uh, and he looked at me. He's like, huh. And then within 10 minutes, he was able to get himself across the kitchen, down into the garage, and feed the dog without ever touching the ground. The floor is hot lava. He couldn't. And then it will come the time where I'll look at my kids and say, why don't you go play outside? Why don't you go do your homework? Why don't you go clean your room? Why don't you go and ba 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 ba? And the response I get back is, I can't. I could never. That's too much. That's too hard. And I look at them and I say, when the floor becomes hot lava and you only have the resource of one pillow, you're able to get yourself across the entire house to feed the dog. With limited resources, when you want to, you can accomplish the task. But when you don't want to, when it's no longer a game, all of a sudden all of these excuses come up. Have you been there? It's a matter of perspective. And as I thought about this week, this sermon, this text, when do we start losing the, perf- the perspective that God is able to do much? When do we lose the perspective that my God is able to bring food down from heaven when people are in the wilderness? Lose the perspective that my God can part a sea. That my God, when when a lady needed oil for her lamp, that my God can continually bring that oil where the lamp never runs out. When a ruler named Joshua needed the sun to stop, could pray, God, stop the sun. Sun, stand still. And the sun did. When Elijah needed fire from heaven to come down and consume the altar because of the prophets of Baal, my God was able and my God did. When teenagers refused to bow before the king and were thrown into a furnace, my God was able to protect them in the fire. When do we lose this perspective? When did life hit us in such a way where we thought God was unable When did we start believing that God did not want us to be part of the journey? When did we start, when did we get this perspective that whether it's in our abundance or in our little, that God doesn't want us to contribute to the mission? To say, we do that, right? We rationalize it. We rationalize inactivity. We rationalize, I have so much, 10% is too much. To give. Or we'll say, hey, I have too little. 
I need, I need this all for me. I can't support the mission. Whether it's in our much or our little, we both end up at the same place rationalizing that God must not want us or need us to be part of the mission. And we belittle Jesus when we think that he can't make much of our little. Like my kids with the proof of hot lava, we rationalize inactivity. I think in the new normal, we need to start rationalizing sacrifice. We need to start bringing ourselves to a place where we're willing to give God all that we have. The little that we have that he could make much of it. Today, that's what I want us to see. I want us to see that provision in God's hands is better than it is in my hands. I want us to see the value of bringing everything to God. I want us to see that where we don't see a solution, we worship the God of the solution. So here's what happens with the disciples. They, they went on mission last week. We looked at that Herod. Now, now here's where we pick up. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. There's a debrief. There's accountability. They're teachable. And he took them, and he withdrew apart, uh, apart to a town called Bethsaida. So this is, this, is, this is work hard, now play hard. Boys, let's go to the open country, lay under the stars, and talk through the mission that, and the journey that you were just on. Healing, the, healing, casting out demons, healing people, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Let's go on a little retreat, R&R, &R, and talk about this. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and, they, and he welcomed, what? He welcomed them and spoke to them the kingdom of God, and he carried those who were in need of healing. After a mission like that, the disciples were just like, hey, here's your marching orders, now get to going, and they did. After a mission like that, there's certainly a mixture of emotions. There's excitement, and there's exhaustion. There's lessons learned, and there's lessons that need to be learned. Maybe in that moment, some of them are thinking that they are a big deal. They just cast out demons. They just healed people. They just proclaimed them the, the kingdom of God. Perhaps they got to a point where they were more wowed within themselves instead of being wowed with God. And Jesus is about to wow them and show them who's really in control. There's a miracle that's about to happen. There's a whole lot of people that are about to get fed. The fact is that the disciples giving, the, giving a report to Jesus, it's no accident that that's a backdrop to, to what's going on here, this miracle. Jesus doesn't rebuke the crowd. He doesn't say, go away. He doesn't say, hey, give us a break. We'll be back in a little bit. What he does is he welcomes them in. He's accessible. He's patient. My Jesus is always looking to proclaim the kingdom of God, I'm a high-strung person. I know that. People say that. I get that. Okay, I'm high-strung. I'm always thinking. I'm, all, I'm trying to always be going. Uh, I've talked to it. My buddy Graham is in, the, is in the back of the room. We've talked, we've talked before. Sometimes relaxing, sometimes not working is harder than, than actually working. And so for me, my me time is in the morning when I go on my walks and whatnot. When I, I see the sunrise, I worship, I pray, I listen to God's word. I, I do all those sorts of things. So I have my me time in the morning before my kids and oftentimes before my wife wakes up. 
And so the, uh, probably towards the beginning of the pandemic, when everything's kind of crashing down, this was maybe two and a half, uh, a month and a half ago maybe, I'm there, I'm walking, I'm at the bay, and it was, it was right when they're starting to shut things down. I'm at the bay, we had to shut down, uh, we had to move church all online. I'm like, I'm, I just needed some me time. I was stressed out and high strung. I show up to the bay, I walk to the bay, I'm having my time with Jesus, me time. And for the first time, Ever, and I think I truly mean ever, somebody else showed up to the bay after me while I was waiting for the sun to rise. A, a Jeep comes in, and this guy walks out of his car, and he's like, is your dog friendly? I've got a dog. And he starts talking to me. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, I got my earbuds. I'm listening to worship. Like, I don't want to talk. This is my me time. But he kept talking, not taking a hint at all, talking about how awful the cops are. He's talking trash on everybody. This person got arrested for being on the beach. This person, and he was talking all sorts of nonsense and talking in a way where I was like, I don't think he knows Jesus. And, and in that moment, I, had, I kept telling myself, mission, pray for one. And I was like, you have to share with him who Jesus is. And so I, I shifted the conversation in, the, in that moment where I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here because I, I'm a pastor. This is, this is stressful for us right now, and this is kind of just my time to worship Jesus. And uh, you know what? Like that sunrise that's coming up, right? Like isn't it proof that there is a God? And he just looked at me and was like, yeah, yeah, maybe. And then he shut up, and then he left. I was like, oh, well, that's one easy way to get somebody out of here, I guess. Like, uh, like, but I never, so I never actually got a chance to share with him who Jesus was. But that's not really the point of me sharing this story. The point of it is showing actually the, the sinful part of me where I was, I, was, I was focused on me time. And it hindered me from being on mission as quickly as I should have been. I wonder if that's where, where the disciples are. They just need a little me time right now. A little R&R. What will rest look like in the new normal? Have you ever had me time that prevented you from being on mission for God? Have you ever had me time that prevented you from being on mission for God? What will that look like in the new, in the new normal? Now, Christ is not teaching them to be workaholics. Jesus understood the need to rest. He understood the time to get, get away regularly. But, but the burden of ministry never rests. We're always on mission. So, so this is a battle for everybody that's involved in ministry, that's, that's looking to build the kingdom. This is a battle for us all. This, this, this balance of when do I rest and when, like being on mission, that, that is something that you and I, there's no clear-cut answer for this. Yes, we have Sabbath rest, but even Jesus would say, am I not supposed to heal on the Sabbath? So for you and I, there's no clear-cut necessarily answer for this, but we have to be in tune with the Spirit and in tune with the Spirit in us, in tune with God and in tune with what our own emotions. So for me, when I take my Sabbath, during the pandemic, it's been Saturdays are typically my Sabbath day. I guess I've gone back to my roots. <laughs> okay, anyways, uh, Saturday is typically my Sabbath. And so on those days when, when life happens, when somebody needs me, when somebody, when somebody is saying, Jason, do this, or is calling, or emailing, or this, that, the other thing, I ask myself these questions. Does this need to be dealt with today? If the answer is no, I do not deal with it. Does this need to involve me? Oftentimes, somebody's coming to me when it really involves somebody else, and so I don't have to respond. Is this mission critical now? Not mission critical the way the person that's coming at me describes mission critical. Is it truly mission critical? 
Kind of walking through those elements will tell me if, if this is something that I need to get involved with right here and now or if I can wait till Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, whatever. And so with, with that as the backdrop, here's now how the scene unfolds. Now the day began to wear away. And the twelve came to him and said to him, send the crowd away to go to the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. They're showing some care for the people. Like Jesus, the sun's going down a little, a little bit. Their focus is on the location. The location is not ideal for what needs to happen. But Jesus is about to show them. Any place where Jesus is, is the ideal place to be. <laughs> but he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and, and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, for, for there were about 5,000 men. Jesus presents them with a new challenge. They just went on mission. You can cure people. You can cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom. But here's, here's now a new challenge. When we're kind of in our debrief state, here's a new challenge for you. Feed the masses. It's a challenge that, that they looked to themselves. They looked around. We don't have enough. Do we have enough to, to provide for these people? Obviously not. They're looking around, and all they can produce is five loaves and two fish. Probably enough food for the 12 of them to eat a fine meal. Jesus Purchase food? Is that what, is that, is that, the only, the only logical thing I can think of is, is let's, let, why don't we go purchase food? But that's not logical, because the crowd's too big. It's 5,000 men, and doesn't include women and children. Instinctively, when Jesus puts before them, feed all of these people, instinctively, they start looking within, will this do it? Surely not. Should I go and buy things? Surely, surely not. They were deriving, if they were adequate for the mission, by first looking from within. But where does our adequacy in life come from when faced with the impossible? I am uh, an Enneagram 3. If you know me, I talk about this a lot. I'm an Enneagram 3. High strung. It's in my nature. Whatever. And so I was reading, I was reading, I saw something posted on, on Instagram that likened Enneagram 3s to, to Moses. And I was like, huh, I've never liked Moses. <laughs> I, can't, I, don't know, I can't say that in church, right? Okay. Uh, Moses and I have never been friends. I've always looked at him and been like, man, like, he's kind of a weird leader. I've, kind of, I've, I've always wrestled a little bit with Moses. But then, but then I, I was in my devotional time, and, and I was going through numbers, and I, and I was listening about Moses and, and, and hearing. I was like, man, I am a lot more like Moses than I think. And it kind of hit me. I was like, man, I got some, I got some stuff to learn and some stuff to deal with. And as I, as I thought about this text, I thought about Moses. Given an impossible task. He, he's there and he sees this, this burning bush. Moses of the, of the Old Testament. This, this Jewish boy that grew up as an Egyptian. Kills a man and then is, in essence, exiled of sorts. Runs away. 40 years in, in his personal wilderness, Jesus comes, to, God comes to him in, in a burning bush. Moses, I want you to head to Egypt and I want you to set my people free. What did Moses do, just like the disciples here? He looked within. 
But God, I'm, I'm a tongue-tied type of, type, type of person. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, what, am, what, what, what am I supposed to say? Who's sending me? Why are they going to believe me? I'm not capable. What if, what if they don't, what if, what if, uh, and he comes up with all these his excuses as he looks within and sees that he's not adequate for such a mission. Look through the pages of the Bible. There's not a single one of them that's adequate in and of themselves. And that's exactly why Christ uses the most inadequate person to show his power through them. How does God respond to Moses? Perhaps the same way he's responding to you and I right here and now when we are faced with what seems impossible. I am who I am. You can't, I can. I'm unable, but I am. I have this excuse, this excuse, this excuse. But when God says to Moses, perhaps he's saying this to you today. Here's what you tell the people. I am. I am. Comes to you today. This hits me. I can't fix COVID. I can't fix that that this building is, is made in such a way that it's going to make it very challenging for us to come back together as quickly as I want. There's challenges that I face every single day, and in my making, I, like Moses, like these disciples, I look within to try to fix things on my own efforts or to try to say, Jesus, get somebody else. I cannot. That is so backwards. When God puts a mission before me, I should look at the mission and say, God, I don't, but you do. God, I don't have this, but you do. God, when you're giving a vision, you will give provision. What if God's provisions in life are not meant for you only? What if you're looking at the, at the little that you have and, and you're thinking, God, you can't. In the new normal, what would it look like to trust God with our seemingly little? To sacrificially give to him all that we have to offer, trusting that God can make much of our little. To say, in essence, God, here's my lunch. How you're going to feed the masses, I do not know, but I trust that you will. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. And, and they did so. And he, had them, and he had them all sit down. Jesus went from an odd request to very specific instructions. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, taking the little that they were able to conjure up, the little that they had to offer, the very, very little that could barely feed the 12, he takes the provision sacrificially given over, and he looked up to heaven, said a blessing over them. Then he broke the five loaves, and he gave them to the disciples and set before the, to, to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. These bunch of them are fishermen. I kind of wonder what their reaction was when they see Jesus making it rain fish. That's their livelihood. I wonder if they're drooling. <laughs> I wonder if they're getting all giddy. 
It'd be like an Italian watching Jesus make it rain chicken parm. That would be a day, wouldn't it? I wonder what they are thinking. And, he, and, and, and what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. It's really simple. Break them up into smaller groups. Prepare for the blessing that is to come. Prepare for the blessing before it comes. Luke does not stress how Jesus multiplied the food, just that he did. And he meets the need of the people, every person in that, in that place, every group, person after person, group after group, they have all of their needs met. They don't just get a taste of Jesus. They have their bellies full. They are fully satisfied. Jesus doesn't casually meet needs. He completely meets needs. Here's what's modeled for you and I here. I provide. You are to give out. God provides. We are to give out. In the new normal, will this be a normal part of our lives? God, I give you sacrificially what seems like little. Make much of it. God, you supply. I'll be a conduit. The final task for these, these disciples is pick up the leftovers. Here's a question for you. Did the disciples leave with more or less than what they started with? They had five loaves and two fish, but now they're leaving with basket, a basketful. They gave all to Jesus, and they leave with more. Jesus taught them to embrace their inadequacies as an opportunity to let the power of God flow through them and to accomplish the impossible. He taught these, these future leaders that the kingdom of God is going to be run by people, running on empty, filled by Jesus with hands opened up. God, I give you all. Build your kingdom. I'm going to supply your needs. You just trust me. I told you guys that if we, if we got $100,000 uh, for that endless growth thing, that I, I, might, I might get a tattoo. And I don't, I, we're right now, we're just under $75,000. So looks like I'm not getting a tattoo. But I've, I've thundered about that before. Like if, I, if I were ever to, to get a tattoo, what kind of tattoo would I, would I get? I, one of the tattoos that often comes to mind is just 5'2". Because I think that's been the case for us throughout this ministry is that God's able to make much of little. A bunch of people sacrificing, giving of, 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 of what God has provided to them, sacrificing, truly sacrificing till it hurts, and God making much of it. You want, you want, can, I, can I tell you a little bit? 184 people have sacrificed and given to this ministry this year. 184 uh, families have, have contributed to this church. You know what, know what that has done this year? Not only have we been able to raise just under $75,000 towards an endless growth fund, not only were we able to, to you know, here's, so here's what happened. 184 people were able to do. Buy a coffee shop. Feed the homeless. Give away masks. Support America's Keswick as drugs and alcohol rip through our society. Support church planting through glad tidings over in India and, and through Converge. We were able to give ShopRite gift cards to 20 families in need. We were able to give quarters out at laundromats. We were able to give lunch to high school students. We were able to give out hand warmers when the season called for that. We've been able to open up a bunch of starting points, giving out books to people. Our kids' ministry was able to deliver 
Easter items to, to our entire church family. Because of 184 people that have sacrificed their little, little in comparison to the God who owns it all, much has happened. The only limit to their vision, the only limits to their vision will prevent them from, from moving forward in ministry. What's going to prevent somebody from moving forward in ministry? It's a limited vision. Limited vision blinds us from how God is able to make much of, of, of the provision that we, that we give back to him. Don't make much of the much that you have. Don't make much of the much that you have, and don't belittle the little that you have. Don't make much of the much you have, and don't belittle the little that you have. One is sinful pride, and one is sinful doubt. Our attitude must be, God, you take my little in comparison to the God who owns it all, and you make much of it. God can make much of the little we bring to him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about what God can do through us. The God who owns it all can magnify all we bring before him. In the new normal, what would it look like to pray as if it all depends on God? In the new normal, what would it look like to have a vision that depends fully on God? In the new normal, what would it look like to give as if it all depends on God? In the new normal, what would it look like to serve as if it all depends on God? Here's our big, our big thought for this online experience. Where we're increasingly enabled, he's exceedingly able. When we look at our inability, as we look at the little, as we look at all that we're incapable of doing, guess what? We serve the great I am. We serve the God who is able. We serve the God who is able to make it rain bread, rain fish. But we'll say, we've never done that before, or we could never do that before. We, we could never do that, or we've never done that before. Those are two phrases that tend to kill ministry. Well, I've never seen Jesus make it rain fish and bread, so it must not even be an option. Why would I even consider it to be an option? Or, you know what? I've got enough for me. i got enough for my big old lunch. We good. Hope God works it out. Tony Campolo uh, tells a story in one of his books uh, uh, on, I think it was on prayer, because uh, the, the context was prayer. He tells a story where he got off a plane, he was going to speak at a conference, and he had forgotten that uh, part of his pre-conference duties that he agreed to uh, was to speak to a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of women at the conference at this church. Uh, it was a pretty wealthy church and, he, and, and whatnot, and he, he agreed to speak to the women. They were having a prayer meeting, uh, and so he had agreed to speak to them on prayer. And so he rushes off the plane, he heads directly to this meeting, uh, he's exhausted and whatnot, he's like, I don't really know exactly uh, what, I'm, what I'm going to say, but, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll pull something together. And so he's sitting there, and uh, before he gets up to speak, uh, the lady that was heading up the conference, uh, a member of this church, uh, got up uh, to give a report, to read a letter from a missionary in Venezuela that this, church, this wealthy church was, was supporting. And in this letter, she, she reads, uh, she says that, they needed, uh, that she needed $5,000 desperately to put on an extension to the hospital because they, need, they couldn't handle all the patients that were coming uh, their, her way. 
And so she, she looked at Tony Campolo as Tony uh, tells a story. She looked at, she looked at Tony uh, and said, uh, Reverend, would you come up here and pray for, for this missionary that she would, she would get the $5,000 that she needs to, to add the extension to, to this hospital? And he got up, he stood up, he, he went to the, the pulpit and he said, I won't pray. <laughs> he said, but, but here's what I will do. And he pulled out his wallet and he's like, well, actually all I have in my wallet and in my pocket is $2.25, but I'm going to lay it down right here. Uh, Madam, uh, who was just reading a letter, can you pull out everything in, in, your, in, in your purse or in your pockets? I want you to lay it down on the pulpit. If you know Tony Campolo, he's bold enough to, to act like this. And, uh, and so she did that. And uh, she was kind of reluctant, but then she did it, and she laid down $110. <laughs> and uh, she's, and he, so he, he commented, he's like, good, now we have $112.25. And he looked at the front row, and he said, ladies, I want you to come up here. I want you to put all, everything that's in your pocket, everything that's in your purse, everything that's in your wallet, I want you to just lay it, lay it, at, lay it at the pulpit, lay it at, you know, uh, at the altar, if you will. And he said that one by one, everybody in the room, this very big room, began doing that. And by the end of it, they, they counted it up, and, and they had $7,000 of pocket change amongst them. And, and then he, he, said to, he said to them, uh, where... Uh, the, he, he walked by and he said the sheer audacity of asking God for $5,000 when God had already provided more than $7,000. Too often we do that with prayer. God, meet a need that among myself, if I'm willing to sacrifice, or amongst our people, we're able to meet the need and we're asking God to do it through another means because we don't think he could accomplish it through us. And so we're filming this, uh, this sermon on May 21st, and I already have a challenge for, for us. It's 10 days away. I already, I already determined in my mind that how could I present a challenge before us that would be applicable, applicable to the text? And I, may, I determined in my mind to, to put a challenge before us to help feed the homeless. And I'm nervous about that. Because to date, we, we need about another $10,000 to meet our budget for the month of May. And, and so I don't know what's going to come in over the next 10 days. And so I don't know on, on May 31st how much will be left to meet our own budget. But I determined whatever is over and above our budget for May, that I want to donate it all to Just Believe, Inc. They're a ministry that feeds the homeless in Tom's River. We've partnered with them. We've let them uh, use our building. We've, we, we, the well gave them a bunch of meals, uh, 50 meals or so uh, a few weeks ago. So I've determined to do that, and I'm a little stressed out as a leader. But then I get an email. I determined to do this. I tell the leadership. I've told the partners. I, get, I do all that. And then I get this email. I think it's on the screen here. That, that I get this email after I'm kind of like, should we really do this? I've already communicated it, that we're going to do it. But I'm wrestling. And then I get this email yesterday that says we're running low on funds to feed the homeless in our community. And so, with all vigor, I bring to you this challenge to feed the homeless with me. I'm not asking you to sacrifice if I'm not willing to sacrifice. I already give over and above 10%. My wife and I give about 13 to 14% each, each month. And my wife has very little work for next week, and we're wondering how, what we should cut in our budget. 
And as I looked at this and said, am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to be part of the equation? And so Ava, when you watch this on May 31st, I've already given an extra uh, almost $200 to bring us to a flat line in our, in our budget. I've already given a little bit extra because I want to be part of the solution. And so Wellspring, I'm challenging you to meet our May budget. And if you have open hands in your personal lives, contributing to the mission of the church, here's what I'm telling you. Our bank account will not grow $1 in the month of May. Everything over and above our budget. On Monday morning, I am going to write a check. Not really, really. I'm going to go online. I'm going to use a, a card. But we're going to give them whatever money is over and above our budget. And so if $10,000 over and above our budget comes in, we're going to write them a check for $10,000. If it's $500, it will be $500. If it's, if it's $35,000 and I've, and I've verbally made this promise, then there's a reason why they need that money and we will give that to them. And if you're watching this and it's after the month of May, which very likely can happen, you can email info at wellspring.one and I, we will give you the link to Just Believe Inc. so that you can make a donation directly to them and you can, you can bypass us and go directly to them. But here's my promise and here's what I'm asking. That you would serve with open hands. And if we meet the budget in the month of May, anything over and above our budget, we're not looking to line our pockets, we're not looking to get rich, we're going to donate it to the homeless in our community. Why? Because we serve a generous God. We value generosity. Do we value it enough to act? Do we see God as generous and so he'll be generous to us and in our lives? He's already been generous. God can, can, can what we give away, God has a way of, of raising it back up and then even more. God has a way of meeting our needs. And so as a church, as a church, we will enter, the, we will end the month of May with open hands. Open hands to this ministry. Open hands to the homeless in our community. Might you do the same with us? God can make much of a group of people bringing him our little. I pray that today is an example of that. I challenge you to feed the homeless with me. Actually, let's pray. God, I, uh, it's, it's May 21st. I don't know what this is going to look like. I feel like, I do, I feel like Joshua praying something stupid. I feel like Joshua when he prayed, sun, stand still. Because God, this is a pandemic. It's, it's enough to even ask that we would even meet our budget. And it seems silly to ask that you would do over and above our budget so that we can bless another ministry. God, it feels stupid to say if you were to give us uh, thousands and thousands of dollars over our budget that conventional wisdom would say hoard it, keep it. Who knows what's coming? But God, I'm praying this on May 21st, that we would be able to give thousands of dollars to Just Believe, Inc. Because not only are you the God of today, you're the God of tomorrow. And so today, we can be generous knowing that you are the God of today and tomorrow. So God, would you move? Would you move and would you move? And would this be a testimony 
not to a great church, but would this be a testimony to a big God? Would you receive all glory, honor, and praise? We ask these things in the God who is able. We ask these things in the name of the great I am. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.